Anytime you choose to move closer in proximity to someone, at some point there's going to be a significant letdown. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's like your spouse. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's like a, a family member. It doesn't matter if it's a close friend. It doesn't matter who this person is. It doesn't matter if it's your pastor. It doesn't matter who it is. And, the, and, and our tendency when there is a letdown in the relationship is to sever ties. It's to walk away. It's to, it's to, it's to be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to do that again. But one of the things I have learned over the years, like not even just, just recently, this has become uh, uh, something in me that, that I would say is, is, is like foundational to how I try to follow Jesus. And I don't always do this well, but what I've learned is that you have to prioritize the person over the problem. You have to prioritize people over the problems uh, that we see. If we really believe that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, if we believe that the enemy is not human flesh, people, we believe that we have a spiritual enemy that wants to kill all of us, then we have to prioritize people over the problem. So unfortunately, our default mode for how to handle conflict is not usually the best way for a follower of Jesus to handle conflict. I've been learning this about myself and about people for a lot of years as a pastor and also just being a human that we all struggle with wisely handling conflict. We either are going to avoid it or we're going to engage in it to win. There's this third way where we can we can navigate uh, wisely to negotiate our differences with the help and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Excited to, uh, to jump into week three of a teaching series we've been in called uh, Becoming Wise. Uh, Becoming Wise. Uh, I have been in a, a season of my life where uh, wisdom has, has been needed, where I have I have maybe needed it more than other times in my life for things uh, personally, uh, internally, I've needed wisdom. For things in our family, I've needed wisdom. Uh, here at our church, I've been seeking the Lord for wisdom in terms of best next steps and things like that. And uh, this, um, this past weekend, I was able to put some, some wisdom into practice. Uh, my wife's birthday was yesterday, right? Yeah, big day. Uh, so, uh, it, birthdays are a big deal uh, in our family. So, uh, she had her birthday yesterday, and Friday night, uh, she let me know she'd made an appointment for the two of us to get a pedicure uh, the next morning. And, uh, right, I, and I thought about it, you know, because I'm trying to be a good husband, you know, uh, and, 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 but wisdom got a hold of me the next morning, and I said, you know, I, I just don't think I'm going to do that, because I knew a picture would show up. And, uh, and I would not live it down, so uh, I did not, did not go, go, go the pedicure route, but um, anyway, uh, happy birthday to my wife. Uh, we are, yeah, in this, in this series of looking for wisdom and uh, needing it, and uh, not only is this just something God's doing in me, I, I've, just, I've just felt in this series, like, um, that, that it'd be worthwhile, because I think, I think all of us are searching for wisdom, I think all of us need this, and, and, uh, and so... You know, where I've been at is I'm like, well, I'll just share some things God's been teaching me, and hopefully it can help you in, in your journey. It just seems like everywhere we look right now, the world is crazy. It's, it's nuts. Like, things that used to be normal are not normal. Like, like, things are shifting and changing almost at a breakneck pace. You know, you, you find, like, new technologies being introduced, new thoughts, ideas, ideals, uh, uh, theologies, and worldviews are coming into play. We're like, I can't keep up. You know, um, everything's shifting and changing and moving so fast around us. I think that we got to ask ourselves some questions like, is my wisdom keeping pace with everything going on around me in the world right now? Is my wisdom keeping up? Like, am I choosing the wise thing? And so 
you know, I've been, I've been reading through Proverbs uh, the last few months, just, just seeking the Lord. And if you didn't know, Proverbs is a book of the Bible that is full of wisdom for how to navigate life. And, and I've just been in a season that's needed some wisdom. I've been in a season that's had, you know, more conflict in it than normal. I've been in a season of my life uh, that has had some added stress. And I've been going, God, like, I need, I need you to, to speak. I need you to, to lead me. And ju- just so you know, uh, a little bit about me. I am someone who wants things to be stable. Like, it's a high value. I am someone who wants things to be predictable. I want things to be in control. I, I want things to be at peace. Uh, whether or not that peace is real or artificial, I usually don't care as long as we're keeping the peace. You know, I, w- I want peace. And so when life is not these things, you know, when life is not stable, when life is, is not predictable or in control or at peace, I, I don't usually handle it very well. In fact, I would say ugliness starts to leak out. You know, I, I'm, I'm not super proud of like who I am or how I show up in, in moments like that. There's usually a freak out uh, response uh, that comes out of me. And it, it's typically a sign that there is some level of conflict going on in me or around me or, or with me directly. And so, you know, we're in the book of Proverbs. We're looking at how to navigate life and I want us to look specifically today at how to become wise in our conflicts, how to become wise in our conflicts, how to become wise in the seasons of life where things are not going particularly well. I believe that there is a way in which most people navigate these moments in their life, uh, and it's, it's usually not great, you know, like, uh, I don't know if, if, if you've ever, uh, you know, noticed this yourself, if you've had family members that don't do conflict well, but, but typically the default mode for most people when they handle conflict is not so great, <laughs> not so great. And so um, I want to I push into this uh, today, uh, talking about how to, how, to, how to navigate conflict. How many of y'all would, would just admit that you could use some wisdom on how to navigate conflict wisely? Anybody? Okay. Um, I know this is probably a topic that, that not a lot of you uh, deal with or need. I'm sure that there's not not really a whole lot of you that have these types of conflicts in your life. I know most of us probably agree with everyone. Uh, no problems. You know, I know there's probably no family in here that deals with the dishwasher not getting unloaded. Probably no family in here that deals with like dirty dishes getting put away in the cupboard with uh, clean dishes. You know, like if I have to remind you one more time, you know, I know there's probably no family in here that deals with like laundry not getting folded or or socks somehow, like, getting lost? Like, how is it that we have to buy socks all the time? Like, what happened to the socks? Uh, but, right, nobody? Like, this isn't, these are just, like, possibilities. This isn't my own life. Okay, so, uh, so in the, event, in the event, hypothetically, that a conflict does arise in your life in the next day, week or month or so, uh, I hope this message will be helpful for you. Uh, and, and if it's none of you in here, uh, just uh, share it with someone. So um, here's what I've been noticing about myself lately. I've been noticing that at times I have good theology that I struggle to live. At times I have good theology that I struggle to live. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I've been studying the Bible uh, for a huge chunk of my life. I, I feel pretty comfortable and how I understand scripture. There are things I believe about God. Like I believe he is good. I believe he is faithful. I believe he holds my life in his hands, that, that he's a good father. And, and, and I sometimes, honestly, I struggle to live into those things. I think, I think we know this. Like, like there are things we know to be true and to be good that we struggle to live. 
You know, like there are things we believe about like eating right and being healthy and like, and a lot of us don't, don't live into that, right? And so I, I oftentimes have noticed that I have a good, I have good theology that I struggle to live. So in terms of conflict and relationships, like I, I have good theology. Like I believe that when I have an issue with someone, I should go to that person that I have an issue with. Like I believe math, Matthew 18 teaches that, right? I have good theology. I believe that when there's conflict, I should keep my heart clean and not hold on to bitterness and not hold on to offense. Like, I, I believe these things. I believe Scripture teaches that. Like, I, I believe what the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament, right, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right, that, like, the, the, the human being that I'm looking at is not the enemy, right, that I have an enemy, but it's not, it's not them. Like, I believe these things. I believe Scripture teaches that. Like, if I, I, I can ace the test. Like, and so, uh, there's so many things, like I, I, can, I, I could go and teach a class on a Wednesday night to a bunch of you on different topics and like firmly believe what I'm teaching you because theologically I, I know it's good and true and sound and yet still not live into it. Does that make some sense? And so, uh, and so we can oftentimes have good theology that we struggle to, to, to live. And so I've noticed that I have good beliefs around how relationships are meant to be handled when there is conflict and yet I still struggle to do conflict well. I still struggle to do it. And I want you just to catch this thought. Like, we live in a world in which we are increasingly faced with lots of conflict, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. You can't stop it. Like, it, it, is, it is everywhere. I wish I had better news for you than this, right? Like, this is, this is kind of like, let's start with a downer. Like, this is, this is reality. Like, there's nothing we can do to stop conflict that comes our way because conflict is everywhere, it's here and it's there, it's near, it's far, right? It's in the global headlines, it's in personal headlines. Like conflict is literally everywhere. There's plenty of you who have brought conflict with you that you're dealing with on, on, on some sort of personal level with family or friends or whoever, uh, interpersonal dynamics, things going on at work. There, there's things that we know are happening right now uh, in, in, in terms of global headlines. Conflict is everywhere. It's found in literally every direction that we look. And the reason for this is because to be human is to experience conflict. To be human is to experience conflict. There is no way around it. No way around it. And what I've noticed is that when we experience conflict, there's usually like three ways we show up. Like, especially if you're, if you're a Christian, there's usually three ways. Like, like, one is we avoid it like the plague. We avoid conflict like the plague. We avoid, like, people we have conflict with like the plague. Right? That's, that's one. Two, uh, we... we uh, we see conflict as, a, as an opportunity to defeat someone. So uh, I don't know if you, about you, but like I, I'm a winner. Like I'm like, yeah, I can do conflict. Like I will own you right now. I will, I will tell you why you are wrong, you know? So, um, but thirdly, I think like, like we, and maybe, maybe the better way is we see conflict as, a, as, as an opportunity to wisely and lovingly negotiate our differences. And so where do you usually go when conflict surfaces? Like, where do you usually go? I am someone who does not enjoy conflict. Like, it, it, it creates anxiety in me, right? It stresses me out. I, I prefer to avoid someone that I have conflict with. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you where you've got an issue with somebody. Uh, I, I can remember an example of somebody that, that like, I, I had a problem with, and I hadn't seen him in a really long time, and I just randomly run into him at the store. Like, like what are the odds of that? You know, like, I'm not sure I'm ready to talk to you. Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I know they didn't see me, so I'm going to just walk the other way. Um, and how is it that when there are the when there's somebody you have conflict with, like they just they just somehow show up in your newsfeed on social media? You're like, how, like I did not, I was not ready to see your photo yet, right? It's too soon. So, where do you typically 
go when conflict surfaces. And, and, and so here, here's, here's what I want us to look at this morning. This is what I'm learning. Is that if I'm going to mature in Christ, I need to learn how to deal with conflict wisely. I'm going to mature in Christ. I need to learn how to deal with conflict wisely. Now, if maturing in Christ is not something that you're all that interested in, then no big deal, right? You can, you can uh, deal with conflict as poorly as you would like. It's, it's, it's really no, no big deal. But for those of us who are apprentices of Jesus, who are following in the way of Jesus, one of the ways we mature in Jesus is by learning how to deal with conflict wisely as we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, okay? And so as I begin the message today, I just want, I want to just say to you a few things. You know, I, I, I personally know how hard this is personally know how hard this is. Like, I know what it's like to lose sleep because of a difficult conversation that I have either had or, or will be having. I know what it's like to lose sleep because I, I, of, of a difficult meeting I've had or will be having, not just in the past, but recently, you know? Um, in the last couple of months, uh, man, our, our, our board is great. We have an awesome board here. Uh, and we always get along, except for maybe like six weeks ago. We didn't like all see eye to eye. And it was strange. It was like, that's unique. And, and so I've just, there's been different things where I'm like, I, you know, uh, I, I know how pers- personally how hard it is. I know, how, I know what it's like to lose some sleep over, over some of this. I know what it's like to carry anxiety because somebody I care for and love sees an issue much differently than I do. I, I know what it's like. I, I know what it's like to get emails, texts, and phone calls from people who are disappointed in things that I've said or things that I didn't say. Usually it's around politics, like, wish you would have said more, or, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but I know what it's like. Um, and what it's like to have to confront someone because of their bad judgment. I, 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 I know what it's like to be confronted by someone because of my own bad judgment. Like, I, I know what this is like. And so this issue of conflict is something that I personally carry, and uh, it's something that is stressful for me, something that is not easy, and yet what I'm learning uh, is how powerful conflict can be as a means of maturing me in Christ making me more like Jesus. So look at this with me. Conflict is this. It's a serious disagreement regarding a meaningful issue. Serious disagreement. Yeah, we don't see things the same way. This is a, it's not just like, like is, is, is the wall like, like white or is it light gray? It's not about, like, that's not a very serious disagreement, right? It's, it's having a serious disagreement about something meaningful, meaningful issue, which means that when I'm talking about conflict this morning, I'm not talking about things like abuse. I'm not talking about uh, remaining in dehumanizing situations. I'm not talking about remaining and persevering through situations that are dangerous, toxic, and dysfunctional. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the normal, emotionally charged disagreements we have with people. You ever had some of those? Again, to be human is to experience this, is it not? And so whether it's conflicts with your children around their use of technology, whether it's conflicts with your spouse around finances, whether it's conflicts about different worldviews, different values, different theology, different lifestyles, whether it's conflicts with your friends and family who are triggering you in different ways, whatever the case, let me just say this to you, like, we should not be surprised when we experience conflict. We should not be surprised when we experience conflict. John 16, Jesus tells us this. He says, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. You mean you may have peace. Then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might have trouble. He doesn't say, you know, trouble could possibly come along. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 
And so we should not be surprised when we experience trouble or conflict, and yet it seems like most of us are often surprised by it. I know that I am someone who is often surprised when conflict emerges in my life, mostly because I do my best to avoid it at all costs. Like, I actively try to avoid conflict. How is it that I'm dealing with so much conflict right now? And, uh, and so I just want to give you a little bit of advice today on some things God's doing in me. So anytime you choose to move closer in proximity to someone, you can throw this up there on the screen. Anytime you choose to move uh, closer in proximity to someone, at some point there's going to be a significant letdown. Anytime you choose to move closer in proximity to someone, at some point there's going to be a significant letdown. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's like your spouse. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's like a, a family member. It doesn't matter if it's a close friend. It doesn't matter who this person is. It doesn't matter if it's your pastor. It doesn't matter who it is. And, the, and, and our tendency when there is a letdown in the relationship is to sever ties. It's to walk away. It's to, it's to, it's to be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever... Gonna, gonna do that again, but one of the things I have learned over the years, like not even just, just recently, this has become uh, uh, something in me that, that, that I would say is, is, is like foundational to how I try to follow Jesus, and I don't always do this well, but what I've learned is that you have to prioritize the person over the problem. You have to prioritize people over the problems uh, that we see. If we really believe that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, we believe that the enemy is not human flesh, people, we believe that we have a spiritual enemy that wants to kill all of us, then we have to prioritize people over the problem. Presenting behavior is one thing, but that's not the real issue. There's a real enemy at work that wants to kill us all, and I have to prioritize the person, the relationship over what is going on. And so I used to think that conflict was just this, this sign of immaturity, you know, like, 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 man, just grow up, you know, whether it was someone else or it was me. And, and sometimes it is a sign of immaturity. But more often than not, conflict is simply an expression of our humanity. It's just like, it's just who we are. It's just what happens. Again, to be human is to experience this. I think some of us, would, if you're like me, would like to believe that we can just pray conflict away. Like, you know, like I'd love to just pretend like it's not going to happen. Like, think, think for a minute about how, how your family did conflict. You know, um, some of us come from families that, that did not do conflict very well, and so, so think about how you grew up, you know, handling conflict. Like, was there yelling? Was there screaming? Uh, maybe avoiding each other? Maybe, maybe you come from a family that after, you know, you fought, you all kind of went to your separate corners of the house, and then a few hours later, you came back and pretended like nothing ever happened, you know? Like, I don't know how you did conflict, how you grew up doing that, but chances are the way that your family did conflict is the gravitational pull and the default mode of how you do conflict as well. It's just kind of how we're wired. It's how we're programmed. I think it's understandable because your family has a way of deeply forming you in a way that continues from one generation to the next, like for better or worse. You know, we are formed deeply by the family unit that we grow up in. And so unfortunately, our default mode for how to handle conflict is not usually the best way for a follower of Jesus to handle conflict. It's not typically the right way. That's why you see, you see like, um, Social media rage all the time. That's why you see people who, who you know, in their bio on their, on their social media account, it like, talks all about Jesus and they've got like a cross and like a reference, scripture reference. And, but you see them just like, like swearing up and down at somebody or just losing their mind in, in Twitter rage or uh, social media rage. It's, it's like because we don't do conflict well. Like most of us don't know how to, to, to do this. And so I've been learning this about myself and about people for a lot of years as a pastor, 
and also just being a human that we all struggle with wisely handling conflict. We either are gonna avoid it or we're gonna engage in it to win. But there's this third way where we can can navigate uh, wisely to negotiate our differences with the help and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I would say like no matter your generation, no matter your education, no matter like, like, you know, what neighborhood you come from, we all struggle with negotiating our differences wisely. And, you know, for me, like, I try to, I try to start calm. Like, I, honestly, I, I feel like I do. Like, I, I, I have, I, you know, whether it's, it's something, like, with me and my wife or things with my kids or with someone else, like, I, I'm like, I try to start calm. I want to be like, hey, like, Jesus wants me to, like, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian man, like, like just do it the right way. And, and pretty soon, it's like, I just, I just honestly, honestly just want to win. Like, I just want to win. Like, and I'm going to win. And, and so, right, like, that's, it, it, just, it just always seems to, like, like, flip and go in that direction. And so I want, you, I want you to think about this with me. Think about these thoughts, these questions. What does it mean to be people who are wise in our conflicts? What does that mean? What does it mean to conflict with people in a way that still glorifies Jesus and the way of the kingdom? Because that's what we want, right? We want to still be able to handle like conflicts and, and relational challenges in a way that, that glorifies Jesus, like honestly, like that, that doesn't, doesn't com, cause, cause harm to the kingdom. And so I've got three Proverbs I want to give you. And it's not an exhaustive list. It's not comprehensive and it's not going to take me long. But hopefully these three Proverbs will get us all moving in the right direction when it comes to handling conflict wisely. Um, number one, conflict calls for a calm, non-anxious presence. Conflict calls for a calm, non-anxious presence. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Good. Is that not good? Is that not convicting? So Solomon's essentially telling us here that a gentle answer requires a calm presence. Like, like I've, got, I've got to be calm. Like, I can't get too sped up in order to, to really give a gentle answer. And so I want you to see this thought. What hurts relationships is not as much the issue of disagreement as it is how the issue is processed. Like, the topic isn't always wrong or bad. It's, it's, it's everything else. How many of you know how easy it can be when there is, a, like, a major conflict that you have with someone to lose or forget the original topic of conversation because of the tone of the conversation? You're like, what are we even talking about? Like, I forgot what we were talking about. You know, how many of you, you ever experienced that? Like you're five to 10 minutes in to the conversation with someone and because of the tone, you've become triggered and as a result, you have forgotten what the original topic of the conversation was. Now there are more issues. Now your issues have issues, you know, ever, ever. Now it doesn't even matter like, like how right you were to begin with because you're so wrong in like everything you just said. And that, that's, see, I am, I, am, I am like this, like I... I, I'm all about like a sense of justice and right and wrong. And so if I get into a disagreement, it's like, no, I, this is right. But oftentimes because I want to win, like I end up being the one who has to do all the apologizing because I've said every, you know, so many things I should not have said in, that, in that, uh, that issue, in that disagreement. So tone is everything, right? You get into an argument with someone or conflict and you're like, like why are you raising your voice? Why are you, why are you folding your arms like that? Like, like who do you think you're talking to? You know, and you completely forgot what the original issue of the topic of conversation was all about. And so I think that becoming wise in conflict, it requires a level of, of calmness, like a calm presence. The 
The question with us that we got to ask, according, you know, according to Proverbs 15.1, is does our speech turn away wrath or does it stir up anger? And so, because I don't want to leave anybody out, I got, there's, here's a little caveat. For those of you who, who don't tend to get loud, like maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're quieter, maybe you're more reserved, you don't yell, I don't want to leave you out. And so did you know that there are ways to stir up anger without using harsh words? Did you know that there are ways to stir up anger without using loud volume? Did you know that? So uh, I, I've had the privilege of being able to walk with multiple couples through pre-marriage counseling over the years and, and uh, did three weddings this past year uh, and, and uh, all in a short amount of time. And so was, was able to meet with them weekly for, for several weeks. And one of the weeks in pre-marriage counseling is on fighting fair. Uh, and, and, or, or dirty fighting, like what that looks like. So, so fighting fair, we talk about like these different weapons that we, that we use, whether it's like verbal attacks, whether it's, it's, it's like, you know, saying, you know, threatening like divorce and thinking, you kind of just talk through like what's fighting fair? Like how do you fight within some boundaries as a, as a Christian married couple? And so I, I talk about some, some, some different things about how people fight dirty. And one of them is like silent treatment. I mean, I don't know, like anybody, anybody use like, know what the silent treatment's all about? Like, okay. So, uh, right, you don't have to get loud. You don't have to get loud to stir up some anger. Uh, Referencing the previously forgiven past, like, hey, why don't we just leave it there? You always do this, or you never, like, I thought thought we dealt with that. Or lecturing, anybody have uh, ever ever been lectured by by, uh, anybody? No, never. Okay, uh, condescension, uh, name-calling, or or swearing, or cursing, uh, sarcasm, Passive aggression, uh, just just avoidance altogether, right? And so, um, and so here, here's here's again something that I'm I'm learning is what I have found is that you can show this on the screen is that when conflict emerges and anxiety gets high in me, there's a gravitational pull inside of me that wants to stir something up. Like I want to I want to mix it up a little bit. Like, like I'm I'm feeling some I'm feeling some stuff. I'm feeling I'm feeling feeling some some anger. I'm feeling frustrated right now. I want to I'm gonna stir it up. Uh, as opposed to being a calm presence. And so what happens oftentimes is like, it's like when conflict emerges, anxiety gets high, like my fight or flight is gonna k- k- kicks in. So I, I, and what's interesting about me and my personality, I don't know how you, you show up, is like I, I do both. Like I, I, I am all about like the fight sometimes. And I am also about the flight sometimes as well. And so I, what I have noticed is that there, there is, when I wanna fight, there's this desire in me to get the, to, to get the upper hand as quickly as possible. You know, I, I talk for a living. I'm pretty good with my words, like in the conflict, you know? So, and I've been, it's been my whole life. I'm like, I can just say something quick and try to get the upper hand. Um, I want to show them how wrong they are. I want to teach a lesson, you know? Like, let me show you how wrong you are. Uh, my flight kicks in too. What I mentioned earlier, of just wanting to like avoid, like, like, like remove value from someone. Treat them as less valuable now because they've said something to me or done something to me. Uh, and, uh, and, and treat them as less valuable as I once did. And so what, I've, what I'm learning is that this is why prayer has to be a huge part of my life. Prayer has to be a huge part of my life. Not just like, like something we do, not just like, a, like, like, like ritualistic, uh, like, like many you know, of us um, you know, kind of grew up experiencing uh, with communion and just something that you just do, like sort of rote and mechanical. It can't just be that. It can't just be like, oh, did you say your, pr- your prayers tonight? Like, there has to be like substance and meaning and power behind why we pray. Prayer is, is, is how we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to do in us what we can't do for ourselves. 
When we take five to 10 minutes to like slow down and pray, to honestly like come before the Lord, to say, Jesus, may, may your will be done. May your kingdom come. Have mercy on me, you know? Like, like when we actually stop and slow down and pray that way, the Holy Spirit can help us to be a calm presence in the midst of a world that is marked by enormous conflict. Prayer is what allows the people of God to respond differently than how the dominant culture does. Like, like so, so here, here, here's what I've noticed, is that if, if, if I am going to go through stretches of my life where I am not a person of prayer, then, then there, will, there will likely not be much, a dif- much, much difference in me in terms of how I handle and deal with conflict. Prayer has to be a huge part of my life. It is, it is how I open myself up to the Holy Spirit doing in me all the stuff that needs, that needs to be done so that the, the, like the, the, the values of the kingdom can flow out of my, my life in conflicting interpersonal relationships. Look at this thought. A calm presence does not mean that there is nothing swirling inside of you or that you have not been touched by anxiety or nervousness. Amen. It means that your presence is able to be calm and collected because you're surrendering your emotions to Jesus. Like you can feel a certain way if you want. You can embrace certain emotions if you want. But what I'm trying to get across here is that that I I do not need to live as a victim. I don't have to live as a hostage to my feelings. I don't have to live as a slave to my emotions. Like I'm not required to respond this way or that way, just because my emotions are on uh, are, are rising inside of me, I'm not a hostage to these things. I'm not a slave to these things. And so con- uh, conflict calls for a calm, non-anxious presence. Number two, conflict calls for humility. Humility. Um, I loved this quote years ago. Uh, I, I, I heard uh, Todd White say this, but he said, you can't offend a humble man. You can't offend a humble man. Think about the thought. Think about that thought. Is that, like, if that's true, like, like, I think about all the times I've been offended, and usually the reason why I have been defend, I've been offended is because, like, my pride has, has, has kicked in. Like, you know, my right to be right. My, like, who are you talking to like that? You know, like, I, uh, you can't offend a humble man. And so when I'm offended by you, typically what happens is I lower your value. I start to see you as less valuable as I once did. So Proverbs 21.2 says, all a man's ways seem right to him. You ever felt that? Like I see nothing wrong like with anything. All, all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. God determines that, right? So conflict calls for humility, and here's why. Because we all, have, we all have blind spots. All of us have blind spots. We all have areas in our lives that we do not see clearly. One of the hardest things for me to admit uh, is that I might not see something as clearly as I think I do. Like I, I, I think you know, I think that I'm smart at t- most of the time. I think that I, I think that I, I, I am perceptive. I think I usually have the ability to understand like like the situation and what's going on around me. And so, one of the hardest things for me to admit is that I might not see something as clearly as I thought I did or think I do. I have a hard time admitting that I might not be seeing the issue as clear as I think I do. And I'm like, no, it's you who doesn't see clearly. You know? Like, I have a lot of confidence in my ability to see clearly. I'm like, no, you're, you're the one who doesn't see as clearly as I do. I'm the one who sees it as clear as day. Like, I see all the angles. I see the different perspectives. It's you. The problem's with you. I remember years ago, uh, 
when I found out I needed glasses. I remember uh, just being so confident in my ability to see clearly. Uh, we, were, uh, we were at the old uh, church facility, this is like eight years ago, and I remember Blake and I were working to set up like, like a, uh, all of like the technology we would need for like a mobile environment for, to do church. And so we were in the old auditorium, and we were setting up like screens and projectors, and we had a, a, a TV in the back of the, uh, that we were going to have in the back of the room for, for like the band and for the, 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 the whoever was speaking to be able to kind of see what's coming next. And I, I'm standing up there on stage, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, hey, Blake, like, you got to make the text like way bigger. Like no, one, no one's going to be able to read that, you know? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, you can't, like nobody can read that. And I'm so confident. I'm, I'm like, this is ridiculous, man. You got to make it at least like the font 10 times bigger. And, and he's like, Jordan, seriously, like what are you talking about? And he's standing right next to me and he takes his glasses off, hands them to me, and I put them on and I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, I guess, I guess I've got, I've got a problem. What's interesting is like, I don't have no idea how long I had been going around like that. Like, I, as, I, as I began to think, as I, as, as in that moment when I realized that, I started to remember, like, all the times where maybe I actually struggled to see clearly. Like, like how I couldn't read the street sign until I was right up on it. I'm like, oh, I guess that's my turn. I should probably go. Um, it's crazy how, like, confident I was in my ability to see clearly. I had no idea that there was, like, a different perspective. I had no idea that there was a better, uh, more clearer way to see. So humility, you look at this thought, is what enables us to consider the possibility that we might be more wrong than we think we are. It enables us to consider the possibility that we might be more wrong than we think we are. Like, is there a chance that I'm not as right as I thought I was? Is there a chance? Like, I might feel offended. I might feel that like, what you said to me wasn't nice or whatever, but like, is there a chance I'm wrong here? Humility allows us to entertain those kinds of questions. It says, I might be missing something really important in this situation. I remember, uh, I don't know, I think it was like four years ago, uh, I went on like a two-day, went, uh, went up to Minnesota, to, to the Twin Cities for a uh, pastor's conference. It was like, it was like an overnight thing, and, and I took Matt uh, Biondi with me, and we got in the truck, and are headed up, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, like, you know, dude, you know, kind of, kind of like a dude time, and getting away, and we're going to talk like, like, like sports, and just life, and he, like, we are literally just past Ankeny, and he's like, let's just have a conversation, like, about, like, our blind spots, and I was like, uh, like, what? Like, yeah, he goes, because wouldn't it be great? Like, like, why don't you just, like, you take some time and just talk to me, you, like, you tell me about all of my blind spots, you think that, like, I don't, that I don't see, and then I'll spend some time telling you all about yours, and uh, I think that that was the beginning of him just feeling the freedom to say whatever he wants to me uh, going forward, but yeah, it, it was like, I'm like, what? We're gonna do this right now? Like, who wants to have those kinds of conversations, but the reality is, is there are so many things for each of us that we have going on in our life that we just don't see clearly, and we gotta, we gotta have humility. We gotta have humility to entertain the possibility that we might not be seeing this as clearly as we think we are, and there might be a better, a better way. There might be a clearer perspective on this, and so wise questions for a time of conflict is, is and this is, this is humility right here, like, you know, can you help me understand why you feel this way? Like, see how that, like, that, like, lowers the, the intensity. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing right now? <laughs> help, me, help me understand. Like, what's your perspective? I'm not, if I'm not seeing clearly, if there's a possibility I'm not, then tell me what you're seeing that I'm not seeing. Or what's the most important thing you want me to know or remember from this conversation, right? What's, like, that's a, that's a really good thought, especially when the topic changes. 
You go from like, like, hey, this is what I thought we were talking about, and now we're over to this, and now we're over to that, and there's all this emotion. Like, it's good to kind of pull it back and go, hey, tell me, before we end here, what's like the most important thing from this conversation you want me to remember? I want to make sure like we are on the same page uh, going forward. Can you imagine how our relationships uh, would look if we, if we talked this way? If we asked these kinds of questions? And so here's a thought. To negotiate our differences wisely in the way of Jesus, we must grow in humility. We've got to. We've got to. You know, pride, pride just, have you ever, have you ever noticed this? It just, it just undercuts any kind of progress in our discipleship. In our, in our, in our apprenticeship to Jesus, it just, it, just, it, just, it just kills it. It makes it like nearly impossible to grow in this way because, because uh, it, it's, it's, it's like the antithesis of the kingdom of God. Pride, I can do this myself. Like I am, I am sufficient in and of myself. I can handle it. Like it, this, it, it, it just doesn't do any of us any good. And so we have to grow in our humility if we want to be people who handle conflict wisely. And then the third one, and I'm close. Conflict calls for community. Conflict calls for community. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety or there is wisdom. So as I talk about community this morning, I want, I want you to understand I'm speaking about Jesus-centered relationships. I'm talking about Jesus-centered friendships. So conflict calls for these, calls for these types of relationships in our life. And so uh, this, is what I, this is what I believe, that we need community to help us see things that we cannot see. You gotta have other people. We all need community to help us calm down a bit when we're overreacting. I don't know, I don't, I've, I've been saved a time or two from just getting some advice from a friend or from my wife, it's usually my wife. And she's like, yeah, just calm down. Like, you don't need to react like that. Like, like don't pick up the phone, you know, whatever, whatever the case. We need community to help us gain another perspective we all need community to help us gain in wisdom and grow in wisdom. It's something that, that, that we do. This community is something we do to strengthen ourselves in a way that enables us to, to, to navigate conflict well. Like there are other vantage points. There's other experiences, life experiences. We need community uh, if we're gonna handle conflict wisely. Let me make, let me make something uh, really clear. Again, preaching to myself. Community is different than triangulation, okay? Let, let, let me explain what this is. Okay, so oftentimes, especially within the church, triangulation can happen under the guise of community. So example, I have a problem with you, but I'm too anxious to talk to you because I don't like confrontation. So what do I do? Uh, I go and find someone else that I can talk to and express all of my concern, all of my anger, all of my frustration that I have with you, and after I've talked to that person, I feel good now, I'm good. Like, like, I'm okay, and uh, I just need to get that off my chest, right? And so I may have spoken bad about you to this other person, but it's okay, I feel good now, because I just need to get that off my chest. So a wise person who values community, understands the significance of community, would look at me in that moment and say, uh, you need to go talk to that other person, like, directly. What are you, what are you talking to me for? Like, that's not, that's not okay. Like, so it doesn't mean that, they, and again, that person doesn't like confrontation and conflict, right, probably, and so, but, but it, it, there is something really powerful about, about refusing to allow triangulation in, uh, to, to subvert authentic community. And so, and so, yeah, when you are inappropriately brought into a conflict, you go, hey, guys, like, this isn't my thing. Like, you need to go right to them and deal with it yourself. True community is, is really important. True, that's why we fight for it. 
It's really important. That's why we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be relentless about allowing uh, 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 triangulation to emerge. Here, here's, here's the important thing. Human beings, I don't know if you've noticed this, but human beings are prone to creating triangles. We're prone to this. This is like what we tend to do. Person-to-person relationships can be anxiety-inducing. So oftentimes, we will have a third person brought in to create this triangle, a person we can talk to about the other person, <laughs> right? It alleviates our anxiety when we do this. It's like, it's like, I got an issue. I don't know how to deal with it. I'm all wound up. And so here, let me just like bring you in. And, and it, it's all, you know, kind of under the guise of like wise counsel and whatever. And oftentimes, we're just creating a triangle because this is not community. Furthermore, this is not maturity. This is me gossiping. This is not wisdom. True community, though, is really, 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 really important. Like you can't follow Jesus by yourself. You can't. You're, you're not built for that. You're not designed for that. God did not, re, did not design us to live this way. True community, true Christ-centered community is really important. That's why we talk about life groups around here often. That's why we talk about the importance of gathering together in a small group. Why, why do we do that? Why do we talk like this? Why do we, why do we encourage that? Well, partly because conflicts are constantly emerging in our lives. We need wisdom. Like, we have blind spots, every single one of us. We need people who will pray with us. We need people who will counsel us, who will advise us, who will help us negotiate our differences. Like, we need one another. And so true community is, like, really important, and that's why we have to fight for that and refuse, like, the, the gravitational pull to, to, to instead settle for triangulation. And so, I, like, I've seen this in my own life group, the value of, of our own life group. You know, we've often gotten together over the years and, and spent time talking to each other about the different issues we have with our kids and, uh, you know, not sure, like, like, what to do or they're dealing with this at school or culturally. And, and uh, we, we, I remember, we, I know we've sat, we've talked about, like, issues with, like, extended family. And I'm like, help me figure out what to do with my dad and mom. And, you know, um, uh, I'm just probably more true than, uh, anyway, uh, challenges, <laughs> challenges at work, you know, like what's going on at work, like I'm dealing with this, or my boss is upset, and I, you know, whatever, I'm struggling with like, like get, you know, getting motivated to, to do the things I'm supposed to do every day. Well, in, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance of counselors, there is wisdom. How do you become wise? You have to have community. And this is what I know. This is what I know. And I'm out. Almost. You can go ahead and come up, Tim, wherever you're at. Yeah. I have just given you a message that most of you agree with. This week, you're going to face something, though. This week, you're going to face something, and everything we're talking about right now is going to go out the window. I just know it. Your default mode is going to take over. Like, I, I know. I want to give you a word. Uh, I mentioned a couple, few weeks ago that I've been uh, visiting with, uh, meeting with a counselor, and I want to give you a word that my counselor gave me to help whenever conflict emerges. It's, it's, it's really good. Uh, whenever you feel anxiety, whenever you feel yourself wanting to avoid a difficult conversation, whenever you see a person as someone to defeat, I want you to remember the word rest. Rest. I think this is a concept from Pete Scazzaro, um, but rest is a word that I want you to repeat whenever conflict emerges. There's a, it's an acronym. 
rest, R, ref, uh, reflect on the source of your anxiety. So when conflict emerges, reflect on the source of your anxiety. So you want to step back. You want to reflect. You want to go, like, what's actually happening in my soul right now? Like, like take inventory. What's going on deep in, internally in me? Like, why am I so wound up? Why am I feeling? What's the source of my anxiety? Why am I feeling this way when there's conflict? And then E, you want to explore your own values on the matter. So I want to step back. I want to explore. I've reflected where this is coming from, and I want to explore. Much of the reasons for why we are so torn up on the inside is because we've not taken time to clarify our own values, why something is really important to us. To be able to say to someone, the reason I feel this way is because this is what I value. Like, you have to just kind of step back and explore. You have to explore your values, like why you are feeling what you're feeling on the situation. So many times we just kind of like throw up on somebody. You know, we just kind of like, like it's just ugly. Most of it's because we haven't really explored why we feel the way we feel. S, you want to seek out others you can process with. It's kind of this, this whole point of like, you know, conflict requires community. But I want to step back and I want to seek other people. I want to seek out some other people. We need people we can process with. Listen to me, I need, I need all the help I can get to see the relationships around me flourish and be healthy and be whole. I need all the help I can get. And so in an abundance of counselors, right, there is safety, there is wisdom. It's often in this phase, seeking out others you can process with, where I often realize that the, that, that the conflict I'm, I'm dealing with is really my issue, and I don't really need to confront anybody. You know, it's like, I have, it's like these are built-in safety nets, these other people. They're like, hey, dude, like, like, maybe pull back. Like, maybe this is all about you <laughs> and not about them anyway. And there have been many times I've been able to avoid confrontation, not because I'm avoiding, I'm, I'm, I'm lowering someone's value and refusing to engage like that with them, but because, because I'm having an honest, humble look internally at myself and going, yeah, this was my thing all along. This was my issue the whole time. Seek out others. And then, and then T, trust that God can give you grace for hard moments. Let me step back and let me trust that God is with me. Let me step back and go, all right, even in the midst of it all, I'm gonna trust that God can give me the grace to walk through hard moments. And if he's given me the grace before, he's gonna give me the grace again. And so the question today, as I, as I close, is where do you need rest? Where do you need to rest? Where do you need to rest? This is what we are invited into. A rest that is unlike any kind of rest that the world can provide. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and burdened. There has not maybe been a more emotional scripture for me in recent times than this right here. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle, right? I'm gentle and humble at heart. Does that sound like a calm, non-anxious presence? Learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. And the world just doesn't know how to do this very well. It's not really even their fault, like, but it's true. The world doesn't know how to navigate conflict very well. And 
I'm included right along with them. Most of us are. We are called to be different from the world. We're called to rest. We're called to live lovingly. We're called to live wisely, compassionately, holding together the tensions of grace and truth, becoming wise in our conflict. Amen? Would you stand? Would you just bow your heads with me for a quick, quick moment? If you're here today and you, you know, just bow your heads for a moment with the Lord and you would just say, you know, Pastor Jordan, you've been stepping on my toes for the last half hour. Holy Spirit's been doing something in me. If there's just, if, if you're just in a season of some unresolved conflict, and you need the Holy Spirit to just, one, like, like do some deep internal work, really to set you free from how, how wound up you've been, but also give you the grace to walk wisely through the conflict you're facing. Could I just encourage you in prayer and see your hand? You need some great, you need some help through some of the conflict you're walking through. He's so good at this. He's so good at this. I, I, I have seen the track record of God to restore things that are, look impossible to restore. The track record of God is that he steps into impossible situations. He makes the crooked path straight. The track record of God is the answer and the wisdom for how to get through whatever you're facing. He leads us by still waters. He restores our soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will I fear no evil in the valley of the shadow of death? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is faithful. He is the good shepherd and he walks with us through everything that we're facing. And so Holy Spirit, I ask for you just to breathe in this room. Just breathe in this place. I pray peace over every person under the sound of my voice from head to toe right now head to toe, out through the fingertips. If you're someone dealing with some, some anxiety and some conflict, just take, take some deep breaths right now. Breathe in and breathe out. Just breathe in the peace of God. Breathe in like, like the peace of God. Take it in. God, I ask for you just to start to touch our minds, touch our thinking, touch our anxiety, touch our emotions, oh God. Give us wisdom for how to navigate uh, through these things wisely. And God, I ask for there just to be a supernatural moment right here where, where we would walk out of here and refuse to be people who do conflict the way most people do, but instead, God, you'd put inside of us this supernatural ability to, to hold people's value uh, at an all-time high, to refuse to, to, to reduce people down to anything less than how you see them simply because they might have offended us, they might have hurt us, they might have done something we don't agree with. Lord, I pray we'd have eyes to see people the way that you do and that it would, it would cause us to resolve conflict in profoundly new ways than we ever have before. And so spirit blow in this place. Spirit, would you breathe peace into this room right now? I pray supernatural restoration and resolution to conflict, oh God. I pray that you would bring people who are uh, at odds, back together again. I pray strength and hope and peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.